When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Williams wants to fade, stoops in the end zone for a touchdown Oklahoma. The stoops you hear from the crowd could be for father or son. And I think it's definitely for son after that catch. What's up, Sooner Nation? Time for another episode of the podcast here. Yes, I agree. You agree. We all agree. 11 days in between our podcast episodes is too long. But, uh, you know, you got to pay the bills. You got to work the job. And when the job takes you places where you can't have internet access, here we go. But now we're back. Um, lots to talk about here. Oklahoma basketball. Yeah, are they good? Or are they bad? Are they mediocre? You tell me. We're going to jump in a little bit of basketball talk. Softball, we definitely know that they are good. Hey, you know what? Everybody has a hot take right now. And it seems like every hot take has to do with a, a negative slant, right? We can say that. Some sort of negativity about Oklahoma football. There is a reason for this. And I'll tell you what that is. And then uh, we're going to go the distance with six. Not five, but six. True or false questions submitted by you, the listeners, tonight. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in to the Sooner Nation podcast. By the way, please do us a favor and go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever outlet you're getting the podcast. Uh, visit heartland-sports.com. Look us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. We always like interacting with you guys. Uh, you're the best, and you're the reason why we do what we do. So thanks so much for tuning in. Um, let's start. Go back to basketball. So... Oklahoma beats Texas Tech, number nine, by the way, 70 to 55. You can say a 15-point win is pretty convincing when it's over the number nine team in the nation. But since then, they've had a two-point loss at Kansas, a two-point loss in overtime at home against Texas. Kansas ranked number eight at the time. Texas ranked number 20 at the time. Now you've got an Oklahoma basketball club that sits at 14 and 12 overall. They're number eight in the Big 12 at four and nine. Um, And and look, there's a lot of, Porter Mosier even said, there's a lot of talk. Oh, they're playing great basketball right now. I think Porter Mosier's exact words are, we're playing the best basketball of the season right now. Well, in the last three, you're, you're one and two. Um... You know, people talk about moral victories, and and you can say, I mean, you, you can say it, it, it it's, doesn't make it less true. Losing by two points at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, that's a moral victory, especially when you're unranked and the Jayhawks are, are top 10. I don't know that losing by two points at home to Texas a week after you beat the number nine team in the nation by 15, I don't know that you can consider that a moral victory. I really don't. I don't think you can. But regardless, I mean, this, this team, there's no more room for moral victories if you're Oklahoma basketball. There's no more room for it. You've got to have actual victories. You've got you to have, like, scoreboard victories. 
Because moral victories are not going to get you into the NCAA tournament. And Oklahoma's, I mean, they're, they're inching closer and closer to 500 on the season. And that's not a good thing. When, when you had a, a winning record and now you're, you're inching closer and closer to 500, you're 14 and 12, your next two games are on the road at Iowa State and at Texas Tech. You don't think Texas Tech is looking forward to that? You don't think Iowa State is looking forward to that? Both of those teams came to Norman and lost. You don't think that they've got some redemption on their mind? The Cyclones falling out of the top 25? Yeah, I mean, look, you're two games away from being 500. And make no mistake about it, Oklahoma basketball is firmly on the bubble, but they're on the top side of the bubble. Most prognosticators still have the Sooners in the NCAA tournament. Some will have them at a, at, a, at a 10 seed. Most of them have an around 11 seed. There's a few 12 seeds in there. But they're still in. I mean, they're, they're on the bubble. They're on the top side. I don't know that we're going to be able to say that same thing two games from now if they're sitting at 14 and 14. So if you're Oklahoma basketball, really, I think, I think this final, the final three games of the, of the season, they're about to go. You, you go to Iowa State on Saturday. You got Texas Tech midweek next week. And then you hit this final stretch of the season. At home against Oklahoma State, Bedlam 2.0. At home against West Virginia. And then on the road at Kansas State to conclude the regular season. That block of games right there. Those three games, those will be the three most important games remaining on the schedule for Oklahoma's NCAA tournament hopes. Regardless of what happens in Ames, Iowa on Saturday, regardless of what happens in Lubbock, Texas next, next week, Bedlam 2.0, home against West Virginia, and on the road at Kansas State. Those are the games that I think carry the most weight for Oklahoma's resume. Because it's possible, it's quite possible, it's, it's, actually, it's actually likely that they're going to lose on the road at Iowa State. It's, it's likely they're going to lose on the road at Texas Tech. So that puts you at 14 and 14 going in to those final three games. But those are three very winnable games. You can beat Oklahoma State and Norman. In fact, you should beat Oklahoma State and Norman. I felt like they should have beaten Texas and Norman. But you, that's a winnable game. Oklahoma State and Norman is a winnable game. There's no reason why that shouldn't be, can't be, won't be a winnable game. You've already beaten West Virginia and Morgantown. That was the difficult game. If you're, I mean, look, the, the, the away game is always the most difficult game. You've already beaten West Virginia and Morgantown. You've already beaten Kansas State and Norman. These three games, you go 3-0 and right there, regardless of what happens, over the next two games, you go 3-0 and in that final block of games. And you're still sitting on, on the top side of the bubble. Now, you, you, take, you, you win at Iowa State, you win at Texas Tech, and then you add that to a three-game sweep to close out the season. You're not even on the bubble anymore, I don't think. That would put Oklahoma at 18 wins on the regular season going into the, uh, the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. I don't think they're on the bubble at that point. I think they're, they're above the bubble. But again, regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens over the next two, those final three, 
You split the next two, the final three are must wins. You win the next two, the final three are must wins. You drop the next two, the final three are must wins. It doesn't matter what happens Saturday and next week. You got to win these final three games. So you go from a team that's on the bubble that plays like champions at some points, plays like mediocrity at some points, and just flat out plays bad at some points. <clears throat> the TCU series, losing in Fort Worth and losing in Norman. There, that's what if OU doesn't make the tournament, that's the that's that's the series right there. Those two games are gonna be what they look back on and go, man, that's where we lost it. But anyway, I digress. You go from that team to a team that you know is good, that you know is going to dominate, and that's what Oklahoma is doing on the softball diamond. Uh, OU baseball has yet to get started yet, but softball, number one team in the country, 5-0 and over the weekend in their trip to California. Sooners uh, post a, um, a scoring margin of 41-1. to so, yeah, 41-1. to You heard that right. The Sooners outscored their five weekend opponents – 41 to 1. Three of the five games were ended early by run rule. The marquee win over the weekend was a 41 victory over UCLA. By the way, that one run scored by the Bruins was unearned. UCLA number three in the nation when they played Oklahoma. This team is better than expected. I mean, look, we, we thought we thought their their offense was going to continue the pace that it that it started, uh, well, that we saw, not started, but it was just the pace that we saw last season. We thought, well, their offense is going to be explosive. They're going to do this and this and this and this. And they did. But the big question mark, the big question mark about this team, as far as their Big 12 title hopes, their NCAA tournament title hopes, their, their Women's College World Series hopes, it was all going to be determined by what happens in the circle, right? This team is 5-0. and with a win over the number three team in the country, and this pitching staff has a 0.00 ERA. Scored 41 runs in five games, 0.00 ERA. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be pretty good, guys. I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think when you look at this season, what's coming up next for them is a trip to Houston uh, for what, what's it called, the Houston Classic. They're going to face, uh, well, they'll. I think play two against Houston. McNeese is there. Texas State is there. And I saw, you know, I saw some comments after after last weekend, after the the trip to California. And people were like, "Oh, they got to play better competition." Yeah, that's great, forty-one to one. But who are they? They played the number three team in the country. How much more do you want them to increase competition? Like, there's literally, there's literally only one other team available who was a higher form of competition than what UCLA was. They're number three in the country. So from that perspective, you do take a little bit of a step backwards with Houston, McNeese, and Texas State. But, 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 hang in here. These are all three tournament teams last year. So it's, it's not like they're, they're going to go play, you know, Delaware Tech. They are playing tournament teams. A few games are going to be on ESPN Plus, and then um, I think I think both games against Houston, ESPN Plus over the weekend, and then uh, McNeese and Texas are going to be on SoonerSports.tv. Um, franchise is going to carry the games ninety-seven point seven FM. I guess that's the franchise too. So you'll you'll have a chance to tune in to listen to watch. 
Um, Oklahoma, look, guys, I, I, I say this all the time when it comes to I, I know I know football's king. I get that, okay? Our podcast is geared mostly towards football, and we're gonna jump that direction here in a minute. But you need to do yourself a favor. Absolutely do yourself a favor. And go to a softball game, assuming you can get tickets. Because these tickets, they, they sell out crazy fast. If you've never been, it has to be. I, and I, I, I was a person who was, you know, on the other side going, eh, it's just softball. Until I went. Like, seriously, a, a softball game, Bedlam, Texas, uh, go to the Big 12 tournament, NCAA tournament, a regional, you know. It, it ranks up there as, I tell Oklahoma fans, if you're, an, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you have to go to OU Texas in football. You've got to do that. At least once in your life, you have to do it. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you got to go to softball. you got to go to, not, not just don't go to like a midweek game when, when they play St. Mary's. Like go to a, like a really good competitive game. It'll change your life. I'm just telling you, it will. The Sooners lead the Big 12 in batting average at 360. They lead the Big 12 in home runs at 10. They're averaging two home runs a game. They lead the Big 12 in runs scored at 41. And they lead the Big 12 in RBI at 36. We already mentioned their 0.0 ERA. Um, all that tops in the Big 12. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, hot takes coming up. I, I got a hot take, I guess, on the hot takes. And, uh, and then we also have true or false questions. Well, here we go. The football season is long gone now. Um, basketball season is winding down, getting ready for March Madness. And so that was going to thrust us full on into spring sports, which really is the slow time for um, – I mean, sports journalism, let's be honest. I mean, they're, spring sports, I, I love baseball. I love softball. They're slower-paced games. When I'm at a basketball game, it's hard to tweet because there's so much going on. When I'm at a football game, same thing. It's hard to send out a tweet. It's hard to respond to messages. It's hard to kind of get your thoughts gathered, even though you do have more time in between the action at football games than you do at basketball games. But at softball, baseball games... You can write a book, literally write a book <laughs> during those games because they're slower paced and news comes out slower as well. Eyeballs don't tune in as much. Um, you know, softball is really going to heat up as far as giving you some eyeballs uh, around, around mid-April. Um, but things are slowing down, which means it's time for the hot take season. And everybody has one. I mean, it's like everybody has a hot take. And there, there's a reason why. I'm, I'm going to tell you the reason why here in just a minute. But let's go over just this last week, okay? Uh, Mackenzie Melton. Uh, you, uh, how do I know that name? Well, he was a quarterback for UCF. He was also a quarterback for Florida State. And, and by the way, before I jump in here and address this, I, I do want to say his comeback story is pretty good. I mean, he, he suffered a, a devastating injury was able to go back and actually play at a high level at Florida State. I remember watching against uh, Notre Dame when he came in the game, um, kind of put Florida State back in that game. The Seminoles ultimately fall to the Irish. But you got to give the guy credit for um, – you got to give him credit for, for the comeback story. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from that, all right? But this dude's off his rocker comparing – not just comparing Orlando to Norman, but saying that the football atmosphere around Central Florida 
is better than the football atmosphere in Norman, Oklahoma. Now, when you're, when you're just comparing communities, okay, you're going to compare. I've been to both, right? I, I, live, I live in Moore, Oklahoma. I live just north of Norman. But I've been to Orlando many times. I've been there for conferences and so forth. Orlando's a cool town. I think Jacksonville's a little bit better, but Orlando's a cool town. And, of course, you got Disney going for you. You got Epcot Center. You got Universal. You got all that stuff going for you. But we're really gonna we're really gonna go as far as to say football wise, what happens in Orlando, Florida is greater than what happens in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, McKenzie Melton is absolutely gonna go to that. And look, if you can't if if you can't recognize that as a hot take, you're probably pretty blind when it comes to hot takes. But on, on a radio station just this last week, 96.9 The Game, Milton says this. He says this. He says, when you have great fan experiences, great experiences on campus, and it's lucrative, that's the best recruiting pitch possible. Now, what he's talking specifically about is an NIL collective. So what he's trying to do, he has no NFL future, which is okay. Most most of the guys who play football in college, they don't have a future in the NFL either. So there, there's, I mean, like the guy made it to a level that 90%, 95% of high school athletes never make it to. And not only did he make it to that level, he started. He, he played at UCF. He played at, at, at Florida State. So he's accomplished more on the football field than the majority of all football athletes of all time will ever accomplish. But what he's trying to do now as a professional, not a football player, but as a professional businessman, he's trying to put this collective together for the NIL for students, our student athletes at UCF, right? So first of all, if you're going to make money off of student athletes making money, you got to have student athletes in your campus. So now he's recruiting. It's a recruiting pitch for UCF. So he says this. I'm, I'm going to go back to his comment. When you have a great fan experiences, great experiences on campus, and it's lucrative, the lucrative part comes in with his, his collective, his NIL collective, and it's lucrative, that's the best recruiting pitch possible. And then he says this. This is where he gets crazy. Right? Here's, where he gets, here's where he loses his ever-loving mind. Would you, he says this, would you rather be in Orlando, Florida, or somewhere in the Midwest? It's kind of a no-brainer. Then the radio host goes ahead and, and taunts him. He says, go ahead and say it. Lincoln, Nebraska, I dare you. And then Milton comes back with just the, the bomb and says, well, what about Norman, Oklahoma? Now, the reason why Lincoln, Nebraska, and Norman, Oklahoma are, are involved in this conversation it's twofold. Number one, Milton's coach at UCF was Scott Frost. So where's Scott Frost? Scott Frost is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Maybe for one more season. Uh, who knows? But currently, Scott Frost is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Milton was replaced by Dylan Gabriel. And, and I don't think it's just... Um, I don't think it's crimson and cream glasses type thing to say that Dylan Gabriel was a better quarterback than McKenzie Milton either. 
8,000 yards in less than three seasons pretty much is the proof in the pudding there. But he was replaced by Dylan Gabriel. Where's Dylan Gabriel? Dylan Gabriel's in Norman, Oklahoma. So you got two popular figureheads, one the head coach, one the starting quarterback, who bolted away from Orlando for other options, being Lincoln, Nebraska, and Norman, Oklahoma. You're a guy trying to recruit people into to Orlando, Florida. You got to have those athletes there. They've got to be... They've got to be making money in order for you to make money off of your NIL collective. Therefore, here comes the hot take. Well, Orlando's better than Norman, Oklahoma. Orlando's better than Lincoln, Nebraska. When the reality is everybody knows it's not in terms of college football. Now, look, I, I know there's, you know, you go just, you just, you go just north of Norman and you've got, you know, what, Heyday and Andy Alligators, right? But... I mean, come on, Disney World, Epcot. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's a vacation hotspot. As a fan of the Big 12, I think the move for UCF to come into the conference is huge. I think it's a good thing because a lot of fans will travel to Orlando. But they're traveling to watch their team, not your team. They're traveling to go to Disney World. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying that's what it is. But when you're going to compare campuses, you're going to compare tradition, you're going to pair, compare game day experience, and then, and then the actual teams on the field, come on. That's just crazy talk. So Mackenzie Milton just kind of goes off the deep end with hot take, and he's got something to gain by it. Remember, he, he needs those guys on campus in Orlando. He needs those guys to make money on campus in Orlando in order for him to make money post-football. So he's got that going for him. There's the reason for the cuckoo talk. But then we can fast forward to our man, Bud Elliott, who works for 24-7 Sports. He's a recruiting analyst, and he, he goes out and, rec- you know, when you look at a kid with three stars, four stars, five stars, you, you look at the crystal ball predictions, you, you look at, you know, uh, where, where are these kids' measurables, what, what's his upside, who does he compare to in the NFL? Bud Elliott's one of the guys who puts all that information together. And now Bud Elliott and Teddy Lehman got some beef on Twitter. It's kind of fun to look at, kind of fun to read about. But it comes from a hot take that Bud Elliott has. Bud Elliott basically says Oklahoma is going to be just like Maryland and West Virginia and TCU whenever they make the jump into the SEC. What he's getting at is Maryland, occasionally competitive in the Big Ten, but doesn't really win much. West Virginia, occasionally competitive in the Big 12, but doesn't win much. TCU, occasionally competitive in the Big 12, but doesn't win much. That's basically what he's saying. Life for Oklahoma is going to be like once they move from the Big 12 to the SEC. And Bud Elliott couldn't be more wrong based on the response of Sooner Nation. By the way, I completely disagree with Bud Elliott. I think Oklahoma is more poised for success in the SEC than Texas is. I think Oklahoma, when you look at, at what this team has as a foundation currently, even, I mean, Brent Venables has, hasn't coached a game yet in Oklahoma, but the Sooners are in much better position right now to jump into the SEC than they were 12 months ago. 
I think Oklahoma can be competitive and succeed in the SEC. But then, like, Buddy Elliott takes it a step further, and maybe, I don't know if he did this on purpose, or I don't know if he's really just ignorant. But Bud Elliott called, you know, Teddy Lehman calls him out, and then, and then Bud Elliott takes a shot at Teddy Lehman and says, hey, I'm glad I can give something for you local radio guys to talk about. Now, look, everybody who knows Teddy Lehman knows that Teddy Lehman is way more than just a, quote, local radio guy. And I, and I think that's what Sooner Nation took exception to. And then maybe even they took exception to that more than, than oh, Bud, Bud Elliott saying that Oklahoma is going to be like Maryland, West Virginia, and TCU. Because Teddy Lehman, former All-American, former NFL, I mean, he's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. This guy is iconic to the Superman play, right? Everybody talks about Roy Williams in the Superman play, but who caught the interception? Who scored on that play? Yeah, it was Teddy Lehman. I don't know if Bud Elliott is oblivious to who he was talking to or if Bud Elliott was just taking a shot and making him a local radio guy. Now, I will say this about Bud Elliott. I know him Going back to my days with SB Nation, when I started Crimson and Cream Machine and I was writing for them, Bud Elliott did a lot of work. He got his, he, you know, got his uh, roots in, in journalism and what he does with SB Nation. And when it came to recruiting for SB Nation and what we wrote at Crimson and Cream Machine, Bud Elliott gave us a lot of information, gave us a lot of photos, did interviews with us. So I know him and I know he enjoys what he does and I know he's good at what he does when it comes to recruiting. But this was a hot take that's just out of nowhere. And here's the reason why. Follow me here. Remember, Mackenzie Milton, he's trying to make money. He's got to have people come to Orlando to make money, so Orlando's better than Norman. Bud Elliott works for 24-7 Sports, right? That's a subscription-based website. What, is it, what does Bud Elliott have to do to be successful in, in where he is right now? He's got to sell subscriptions. People have to, I mean, I'm telling you, people are, I promise you, based off of that Twitter exchange on the 17th of February when I'm recording this, based off of that Twitter exchange, a lot of people clicked on Bud Elliott's profile on Twitter. A lot of people clicked on 24-7 sports links from Bud Elliott. The man's trying to sell subscriptions. So there's the hot take. And there's the reason behind the hot take. But speaking of 24-7 sports, perhaps the hottest of hot takes belongs to Brandon Marcelo. Could be Marcillo, I, I don't know. The double L, you know, in Spanish makes the Y sound. So it could be Brandon Marcillo or Brandon Marcello. I don't know this guy. I'm pretty sure you don't know this guy, but somewhere he got a job for 24-7 Sports. And he wrote an article on 24-7 Sports about the transfer portal. The Big 12's biggest winners and losers in the transfer portal. And basically what he does is he takes the 10 teams of the Big 12 Conference and he ranks them from worst on from first to worst in terms of what they did in the transfer portal. So you can imagine where this is going. 
Because not only was Oklahoma not at the top, not only was Oklahoma not near the top, Oklahoma was next to last. He has the Sooners next to last. The only team that's ranked lower than Oklahoma in these rankings, yeah, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State lost 12 players. 12 players left that program to go into the transfer portal. The Cowboys gained zero players out of the transfer portal. That's the only team that's ranked worse than Oklahoma in these rankings. Now, keep in mind, look, Oklahoma lost Caleb Williams. They lost Spencer Rattler. They, they, you know, they, they lost two highly talented receivers in Jaden Hazelwood and Mario Williams. You lose Stogner, you're tied in. And, and that's everyone's focus. When, when you look at, at the transfer portal in Oklahoma, that's immediately where your focus goes because they were high-profile stories. And if that's all you're going to take from this, then, yeah, Oklahoma didn't do well in the transfer portal. But what a lot of people don't realize is that Oklahoma, yeah, they lost 12 players. In all, the Sooners lost 12 players to the transfer portal. They got 10 back. They got 10 back. And, and, and a lot of those guys are on the defensive side of the ball. They're, they're, I mean, look, look what they did to the defensive line. They beefed up the defensive line. You lose Perrion Winfrey. You lose Isaiah Thomas. You lose Nick Benito, whether you call him a linebacker or a rush in, wherever you put him, Oklahoma beefed up its defense. You get Dylan Gabriel, he was a pretty hot commodity. UCLA thought a lot of Dylan Gabriel. They wanted him there. Oklahoma did really, really well in the transfer portal. In fact, no school gained more players out of the transfer. No school in the Big 12 gained more players out of the transfer portal than Oklahoma did. Four schools lost more. Texas lost 14 players to the transfer portal. West Virginia lost 17 players to the transfer portal. Iowa State, TCU lost 15 players to the transfer portal. No one gained more than the Sooners. 10 new players. But yet, Brandon Marcelo is going to rank Oklahoma number nine. Listen, listen to, I won't go, I won't belabor this point, but just listen to his rankings. You tell me where he goes off the rails. He's got Texas number one. The Longhorns lost 14 players to the transfer portal. They gained number, they gained four. So they're a net negative 10. Quinn Ewers, now that's that's a pretty big name. I think he was the number two quarterback in the transfer portal. And you gotta you gotta give some credit there. You know, Oklahoma loses Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the transfer portal. The Longhorns get Quinn Ewers, the number two quarterback in the transfer portal. The kids yet to play a snap in college football in significant playing time. But I mean, hey, that's the top, that's the top team in the Big 12. Negative 10 players. They lost 14, they got four. Kansas State lost 11. They get five back. Baylor. Baylor only got one player on the transfer portal. They lost four. They got one. They're number three. Now, Jackson Player is the guy that they got out of Tulsa, former defensive tackle for Tulsa. And I think he's going to be a stud. But it's still the point here. You know, the only team in the Big 12 that gained more players than they lost in the transfer portal is Texas Tech. They lost seven players into the portal. They gained eight players out of the portal. They're number four. 
Kansas, they're ahead of Oklahoma. They lost 12. They got seven back. This is, this is just, here, here is the point of going off the rails on the crazy train for me. When you get to number six, number six is Iowa State. The Iowa State Cyclones lost 15 players to the transfer portal. They got two out of them, and one of them is a linebacker from Delaware. You're telling me a linebacker from Delaware, one of 50% of what you got out of the transfer portal, a linebacker from Delaware, that's going to trump Dylan Gabriel? Are you serious? So Iowa State, number six. TCU, number seven. They lost 15 players, gained nine. West Virginia, they're ahead of Oklahoma. They lost 17 players. 17. Gained four. But they're right, again, they're right ahead of Oklahoma, who lost 12 and gained 10. Now, this is just crazy because what they do is they do this some, some sort of algorithmic formula that takes the player's ranking that left and the player's rankings that came in. And then you add plus minus, and here's how you get it. But at some point, at some point, common sense has to kick in, right? At some point, you have to think, a linebacker from Delaware? You kidding me? And, and by the way... I mean, look, I, I did lose some respect for Matt Campbell based on the sideline antics last season. And then even the year before in the Big 12 championship, but whatever. But look, here, here's the thing. Think about this. If you lost 15 players, you lost 15 players from your roster and you only got two back. And one of those is a linebacker from Delaware. And 24-7 sports deems that as a good thing? That's better than getting Dylan Gabriel? You gotta wonder what kind of talent did they have at Iowa State? Maybe Matt Campbell does deserve to be the coach of the year forever. Because he took the Cyclones to the Big 12 championship game with guys who weren't as good as a linebacker from Delaware. I think at some point, look, with all due respect to Brandon Marcella, I don't know him, you don't know him, probably never heard of him. But with all due respect to that guy, at some point, common sense, common sense has to trump your, your algorithmic formula, right? Here's what this all comes down to. It's, it's all about eyeballs. It's all about clicks. It's all about subscriptions. It's all about money to get people to talk about what you're writing about. That's what they want. And, and Brent Venables is the best hire, the best coaching hire in the offseason. The man turned down job after job after job to come to Oklahoma, which was the right job. And not only did, did Brent Venables come to Oklahoma, but he got a guy in Ted Roof who is a iconic figure in the Southwest who's gonna increase Oklahoma's recruiting footprint you got a hot up-and-coming offensive coordinator that you take away from Lane Kiffin. So there, there's a lot of knowledge out there. A lot of people here in the name of Oklahoma and off-season buzz. So what do you do? You jump in there. You write something that's kind of a negative to what the narrative was initially. And you get clicks. And then what you do is you build... Your rebuttal. 
So when Oklahoma goes 11 and 1, 10 and 2, makes it to the Big 12 Championship, plays in the New Year's Six Bowl, and then people are going to go after you on Twitter. They're going to go after Mackenzie Milton. He's not going to care. I promise you, he's not going to care. They're going to go after Bud Elliott. They're going to go after Brandon Marcello. And you know what they're going to say? Oh, no, no, no. Look, look at our brand. Look at our website. Look at what 24-7 Sports was saying about Oklahoma. For, forget what I said, but look what, look what 24-7 Sports said. And when you look at the national rankings, take, take this transfer portal stuff, right? This ridiculous top 10 list of the Big 12. If you look at the national rankings, Oklahoma's number four when it comes to the transfer portal. The only three teams in the nation who did better than OU out of the transfer portal, USC was number one because they got Caleb Williams. Ole Miss was number two. LSU was number three. And then Oklahoma and the national rankings published on 24-7 Sports. And the national rankings for the transfer portal, OU is number four. But yet this guy's got him number nine. They got OU number nine in the biggest winners and losers in the Big 12. By the way, Texas, who they have at number one, Texas is number one, according to Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports has Texas at number eight, four spots lower than Oklahoma. So they've already got a built-in rebuttal. They're, they're going to say, no, oh, no, no, no. We, we, we're, we were saying this about Oklahoma. At hot takes, talk about what I'm writing about. The more ridiculous the stuff I write, the more you talk about it which ironically is what we're doing right now. True or false coming up, guys. All right, so I picked six true or false questions uh, for tonight. They're all coming from you guys, the listeners, the readers, heartland-sports.com. Uh, and I picked six because I thought, first of all, they were good questions. Secondly, I thought, man, time-wise, I don't know how much uh, how much fill space I'm going to need. I didn't realize I was going to go 25 minutes on the hot takes, uh, but I guess I kind of got, got all riled up so to speak. So uh, we got six true or false questions all from you guys. Uh, we'll jump into these. Um, I think I think most of them are football, but there's a softball and the basketball question in here. So let's jump in here and we'll take the first one from Caleb. True or false, OU softball will break records uh, they set last season. I think this is true. This is something that I have said um, before the season started. And then, you know, I think last last weekend, just kind of showed, you know, they're they're barely off the pace from a, you know, they're batting 360, which last year they they set a record-setting uh, batting average, and, and they're barely off that pace at 360 through one weekend. And it, and again, it's one thing since we mentioned Delaware so much the last the last segment. It's one thing if they're playing Delaware, right? But to do that against a team like UCLA, who is the number three team in the country, um, to do it on the road away from home. I think they're only going to get better offensively. They, the pitching, there's no way you could have asked for a better start for pitching from the circle. All three pitchers Oklahoma put out there uh, were fantastic. Jordy Ball was not only the Big 12 Pitcher of the Week, but she was also the National Pitcher of the Week. Um, Tiara Jennings was the Big 12 Player of the Week. Um, this team is going to be really good, guys. They were good last year, and, and who would have thought – that they would lose the arms that they did and Shannon Sell, Giselle Juarez. Um, who would thought they would lose those arms and yet still, at least through five games, have the potential to be better than they were a year ago, particularly when one of those people you're putting in the circle is a true freshman. And, and 
I, so, yeah, I think this is true. I, I think they break the records offensively. Um, I think they may set some defensive records. And, and don't forget, this was a, a really good defensive team last year. You got the best shortstop uh, in college softball on your team uh, in Grace Lions. And so, um, look, this is, keep guys, I, I, I'm not going to give another shameless plug. I'm just going to tell you, watch softball. They're, they're really, really good. Uh, number two, this comes from Trent. Uh, Trent says, true or false, Perry and Winfrey will be a first-round draft pick. He's, and then he, in parentheses, I'm giving you a chance to redeem yourself from the last podcast. In the last podcast, I really kind of was wishy-washy um, after Perry and Winfrey goes and has the performance he has at the Senior Bowl. Obviously, the, the NFL Combine hasn't taken uh, taken place yet. Um, and I was like trying to figure out, is he a first-round draft pick? Ultimately, I came to the answer of no. Uh, it wasn't a very confident no, but now we're 11 days later from the last podcast. And I, I think I'm more confident now than I was back then to say, I don't think so. I don't think Perry and Winfrey is a first round draft pick, not because of talent, but because of need. And it's just, you know, he's an interior defensive lineman. Does he have a bright future in the NFL? A hundred percent he does. But let's not confuse a bright future with first-round draft pick. I mean, there's a lot of guys who were not first-round draft picks who were in the Hall of Fame. I mean, come on. Tom Brady wasn't a first-round draft pick. He was barely a con- – I mean, almost a consolation, right? So I think Perry and Winfrey can go on to the NFL and have a fantastic career. I think he can dominate. I think he can be um, every bit – if not better than what Jared McCoy and Tommy Harris were as former Sooners playing that, that interior defensive line position. I just don't think he's a first-round pick. I don't know that Oklahoma's going to have a first-round pick. Um, but when you look at the need and you look at the position, I just don't think it lines up well for Perry and Winfrey. I want to be wrong on that, okay? I want to be wrong on that. But my answer is false. Perry and Winfrey will be a first-round draft pick. The answer is false. Um here we go. This is from Brent. I wish it was Brent Venables, but it's not. Here's from Brent. Uh, number three, OU will be in a better bowl next season. I'm obviously uh, looking for a step up from the Alamo Bowl experience. And um, yeah, I think I got to go true here. I, I think OU is going to surprise some people. I, I, think, I think the national narrative has moved out west with, with Lincoln Riley and what he accomplished over his time at the University of Oklahoma, but I think they're overlooking the what what's going to happen defensively. And and I, I will Oklahoma be as good offensively as they were with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts? Probably not. But I think offensively they'll be better than what they were in 2021. I really do. I mean, I honestly believe that this can be a better offensive team than they were in 2021. But they're going to be way better defensively. They are going to take a step forward defensively, in my opinion. And that's where really the kind of the the butters made, you know, rubber meets the road, whatever you want to say there. Proof's in the pudding. So, yeah, I think think you're looking at a, a team that's going to 
be much like 2021. They're going to compete for a spot in the Big 12 championship. I think it's going to come down late in the season, and they're going to be a, have a chance to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to go as far right now to say that they're going to be in the playoff. Maybe 2023 we can go there. But for right now, for right now, I think, I think yeah, definitely this is, is a team that can, can shoot for, like, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think and, – and, and look, the Alamo Bowl is not a bad bowl. Just ask any Texas Longhorn fan. They'll tell you. It's just Oklahoma fans are, are used to something better. And I think we get back to that as fans in 2022. Uh, from Gail. I love it when ladies send us messages. From Gail. Uh, true, false, Jeff Levy is a step up from Lincoln Riley. I'm, I'm assuming we're talking offensive coordinator here. Because clearly Jeff Levy's not the head coach. So we got to talk about offensively and play calling. I'm just kind of putting two and two to here, together here. Um, so I've been true so far. I mean, the first three I answered, they were true. I, I got to go false here. And, and, and here's the reason why. I think they – I mean, I'm, I'm torn on this. But, but I think at, at this, this coming season – for, for this coming season, I think the best-case scenario for Oklahoma fans is that he's on equal footing as Lincoln Riley. Now, Jeff Levy does have a quarterback who knows his system from Central Florida. He, he's got a, uh, a, an offensive line that's going to have some experience. He's got star receivers. Running backs, maybe a question mark, but I mean, you, you got Eric Gray. I think Marcus Major finally has the type of season everybody is hoped he would have since he came out of Millwood. But I don't know that you're going to make him a step up from Lincoln Riley. Maybe in the future, but if we're talking 2022, I think maybe we're on equal footing. So for me, that's going to be a false because I think we're on equal footing here. Um, I hope I don't make anybody mad over that. Number five, um, Brent Venables. This is from Mike. Brent Venables will recruit better than Lincoln Riley. Um, I think across the board, this is true. And here's the reason why. Uh, Brent Venables isn't going to go get the top quarterback in the country in back-to-back -back years. Now, Jeff Levy might. But what Brent Venables is going to do is Brent Venables is going to recruit defensive positions better than what Lincoln Riley had done in his time at OU. And a lot of that's going to go towards the value of Ted Roof. When, when Ted Roof was hired as a defensive coordinator at OU, people were like, Ted who? In fact, I, I saw a thing where people who Googled Ted Roof, trying to figure out who this guy was, they had a lot of Red Roof in stuff come up on their Google search, meaning this guy's not a big name out there. Um, but anyway... Um, I think across the board, when you look at both sides of the ball, yes, Oklahoma is going to. Here's where here's where Brent Venables is going to succeed in recruiting at OU. Number one, like I already said, both sides of the ball, you're going to see you're going to see an increase in in high level defensive recruits, in my opinion. But also, what you're going to see is you're going to see an increase in Oklahoma's recruiting footprint. It's going to go into the southeast. And, um, and that's huge, particularly with Oklahoma getting ready to make the move to the SEC. So there you have it. Uh, that's going to be true from Mike. Last but not least, Steve. Steve says, uh, when we going back full circle, I guess, the appropriate way to end this. 
Uh, Oklahoma basketball, Steve says, the Porter Mosier hire was a mistake. I, this, I, couldn't, I couldn't disagree with this statement uh, more than what I do right now. I, I, absolutely not a mistake uh, on hiring Porter Mosier. Um, I think it's way too early to say that. And, and I, think, I think he's got a team that he's put together out of the transfer portal. He did that way out of necessity because of what happened with you know Brady Manning going to North Carolina, Austin Reeves going to the NBA. You know, you got all these players, Davian Harmon leaving. You got all these players leaving o- OU to go somewhere else. And and you know, Porter Mosher had no choice but to go into the transfer portal. And there's chemistry, there's understanding the offense. I mean, there's just all these things that go into play. And I promise you this, I promise you this, if Porter Mosher had another year, if these guys were all able to come back and be on this team next year, this team would be night and day different than what they are right now. But the fact that they're above 500, that they're competing to make the NCAA tournament, the fact that they've got so many wins over top 15 programs tells you Porter Mosher knows what he's doing. I think he's got him heading in the right direction. Just got to do a little better job at winning games. But I think after not even through year one, it's way, way too early to say that. So Porter Mosier hire being a mistake, I'm going to say that's absolutely, unequivocally, 100% false. So that's it. This episode of the Sooner Nation podcast, we want to know how you would answer these questions. Do you think they're true? Do you think they're false? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Find us on the internet, heartland-sports.com. Subscribe to the Sooner Nation podcast wherever you get the podcast. We're pretty much there. Uh, Thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner.